Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton, 12.06 Pacific. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers in Los Angeles. Game two of a five-game road trip tonight against the L.A. Kings. The Oilers have dropped the last two games in L.A., probably uh, two of their worst work performances all last season. However, the last two games they've played against the Kings, they've scored 14 goals, including beating them 6-5 earlier this season. Mike Smith, who got the win in that game, against Jonathan Quick, who started to put his game together. Oilers now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Digitex, your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Um, we will tell you that uh, Brian Burke is going to join us for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical and prefabrication and solar. Going to be uh, looking forward to seeing Rob Kinsey uh, in Arizona on uh, Monday for a little bit of an event that we've got planned there on our Oilers off day. Uh, the Oilers coming into tonight's game uh, tied with 31 points, second most in the NHL. Yes, Edmonton's played a couple more games than some of the other teams. Uh, Percentage-wise, they're probably fifth or sixth, but nonetheless, it's been a good start for Edmonton. Uh, Brian Burke is on a show with lots of truculence. Louis DeBrus before him, Marty McSorley after him as we go to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. Brian, how you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Are those your type of guests in terms of uh, uh, Louis DeBrusque and Marty McSorley? Your type of players? Absolutely. And I love listening to Louis call games. I He's such a great uh, addition, and not addition because he's not new, but he's such a great part of our broadcast team. He's fantastic. And tell Marty I said hello. Marty's a good man. Yeah, he's... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's do this, uh, Brian, if we can. I'm just going to turn on. We've got a little bit of a feedback going on through our system here. Obvious question for you. Uh, lots of focus, and I did my 29-second diatribe on uh, Mike Babcock because I know a different Mike Babcock than some other people, certainly some of the maybe the younger, more analytics-driven media types in Toronto who didn't seem to like him. Uh, 
But uh, give me your take on what went down here with the Leafs over the last week and the decision that was made yesterday to relieve Mike of his duties. Well, first off, you're right about one thing. The piling on is disgusting. Like the, the shots that people are taking at Mike Babcock, um, it's really, and it happened to me when I got fired too, it's the nature of working in Toronto. But uh, it's it's sickening to me. People that didn't have the guts to ever say anything to his face are now carving him and saying he's a bad person. And he's a good person. He's a good coach. It didn't work here. It just didn't work out. And and management's got a lot to blame here. And the players have a lot, to, a lot of the blame here too. But with Mike, I think uh, they reached the conclusion that he lost the room. I think the game against Pittsburgh was probably where they, they looked and felt they really had to do something. Uh, they hung that young goaltender out to dry and were terrible and didn't try and weren't embarrassed. And I think that's where Brennan Shanahan probably said, I can't, I can't watch much more of this. I had somebody say, like, and, and one of the things I've noticed, and I have time for analytics. you got to use them. Uh, we've had lots of discussion about it. Dubas is seen as a big uh, proponent on that front. Uh, but I had somebody to say to me, Kyle Dubas has the equivalence of grade five or grade six in the real world of hockey. And there is some inexperience there. So I'm going to pose the question to you. Is there something to be said for experience with management? Because I'm wondering here in Edmonton, if part of what's occurred here just hasn't been the elevation of dry settle from a star to a superstar player or unbelievable special teams or really pretty good goaltending, but also the, the maturity of the combination of uh, Ken Holland, you know, vastly experienced general manager coming in with uh, Dave Tippett and he hires immediately a vastly experienced head coach. So is there something to be said for experience, Brian, in that role? Well, I'm not going uh, to sit by and watch Peter Shirelli get buried either, and I know you weren't doing it for that reason. But, Bob, this is the nature of right. the beast is when somebody fails and he's been fired, it's so easy to take shots at him. Look at the guys that Peter Shirelli brought onto that team. And we'll do that someday when we're not talking about the current team. We'll do that show and go through what he left. He left some pretty good pieces. So, But, but to go back to your thing, Peter Shirelli, when they hired him, was a very experienced manager. Like, he'd been in the trenches for, yep. what, seven, eight years? Kyle's brand new. This is his first job as a GM. He's not new to hockey, but he's brand new. And he's just appointed a coach who's brand new, who's never coached head or assistant in the NHL. And this is what I said earlier today on TV. I said, you're, this is the problem. When you go off the grid to hire a coach, so you're saying, I know he's got no experience, but he worked with me in the Sioux, he worked with me in the Marlies, and I'm going to bring him in here. When you go off the grid to hire a coach, you're getting into the foxhole with him. Like, there's no way if he fails that you're going to survive that because you went off the grid to hire him. You didn't follow conventional wisdom. You didn't. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I hope, I hope this guy does well. He actually impresses me. But it's like, it's like the Buffalo. You know, they hire a coach that no one else would hire. Wonderful man, great guy. We all know him. Ralph is amazing. But it was an unconventional yep. hire, and that that when you're unconventional and you hire, you're going to be in the in the casualty line too. Hundred percent. And we have talked. Just so you know, I mean, hey, Peter got absolutely crucified for the dry settle contract. I was one of the staunchest supporters of the dry settle contract. The return on the Scrivens Cassian deal. 
was his best trade. Obviously, the Reinhardt deal did not work out. Uh, I'll be the first to admit to you, Brian, I can't believe Griffin didn't at least become an NHL player based on what I mean. I saw him play 35 times in junior. I can't. I, I wrote the dates down. I, I cannot was, believe I was, he did not pan out as a player. I agree. I, I was in Bakersfield with Peter Sorelli three years ago watching Reinhardt. And they called him up the next day. And I said to Peter after the second period, I said, they're playing uh, Stockton, our team. And I said to Peter, the best player on the ice is, is, is Reinhardt. He said, we're calling him up tomorrow. I thought, couldn't miss. He was big, played with authority, made good decisions. And I, I thought the same thing, Bob. Honestly, God, I would have bet you a lot of money that night that this kid would have had a double-digit year career in the NHL. Now, Strom for Spooner. You know, that's, and that was three days before Todd McClellan got fired. And I disagreed with Pete with firing Todd, but that's, and the reason why I just, I don't agree with coach, firing coaches during the season, unless I believe he's, he's, he's losing your core. And that might be the argument in Toronto is that Mike had lost the core there. I, I mean, I'm not close enough to know that, but, you know, and that's there, because there are managers out there, Brian, that do not want to fire coaches during the season at all. Well, you don't want to for a lot of reasons. And number one is, all right, who's going to coach your team? You fire a guy in November, the, the roster of coaches that's available is pretty limited. Most of the good guys have jobs. You have a much better bench to choose from in June. So, yeah, I, I never liked changing coaches in the middle of the season. I only did it when I felt I had to, and I had to twice. Yeah. Uh, tell me this. Is Toronto the way they're currently constructed? A team that is built, I mean, I think they can get in the playoffs. Um, at the start, I, I, I thought they were going to be much better, Brian. I, I, I really thought they were going to be a lot better team. Like, I thought, I said, this is the year that they're going to lose from their past playoff failures and they're going to win the Eastern Conference. So it shows you what I know. Here they are. They fired Mike Babcock. I would have never believed that would have happened. The way they're currently constructed, and now with Sheldon Keefe coming in, could they be a team that could still win the Eastern Conference, do you think? No. Not for me. Their defense isn't good enough. They don't have a backup goaltender. Their special teams suck right now, so no. Other than that, I like I like okay. the group. Other than that. Well, and the, the, the whole situation with Tyson Berry, we've heard lots of stories, you know, that maybe Babcock wasn't the most supportive of that decision out of the gate. Well, that, that narrative's going to change. I think if, if anyone's going to benefit from this coaching change, put your money on Tyson Berry and Austin Matthews. Because I think, you know, one one criticism I had, and I said this live on TV during the playoffs, this is not a pile-on. A lot of people in the media have very different views of Mike Babcock now that he's been fired. I don't. I think he's a good coach and a good guy. But one quarrel, one quarrel I did have with him was his lack of innovation and flexibility in-game. So you get into the second period. What you're doing ain't working. You juggle your lines. You double-shift people. And I think he got so wrapped up in the Detroit system where they rolled for and everyone do their job and everyone was really good at it. I, I think he lost that innovation. And I think Sheldon Keith will do that more. So double shift Matthews. Uh, if Kerfoot's not going good, sit him down. And Mike just kept rolling for. And, it, you know, you're like the definition of insanity, right? When you keep doing something, you know it won't work. So I'd like to see a little more innovation and inventiveness and creativity from Sheldon Keefe. I think we will. And the guy that will benefit most from that, who should go on the first power play right now while Marner's hurt, is Tyson Berry. 
and we should qualify just with my backup and you've been fully uh you know upfront about this you you let him go right when you went into anaheim yeah I let him go is a little strong we agreed to part ways because mike was a coach okay. in anaheim and and he had a year left and he said you know i'd like to talk about an extension i said well, mike we got to figure out if you're going to come back and coach because the difference was styles of play so Mike, Mike's a good coach, and he's a good guy, but he's a Greenpeace guy, and, and I like, you know, I like my hockey a certain way. I like it black and blue, and I, I like players that Mike didn't like. And I said to him, I said, "Look, there's not a fit here, Mike. There's not a fit here. You, you like a certain way. I like a certain way. Why don't you make your way to Detroit? They want you anyway." And so we parted. And I would not have fired him. I would have figured something else out. I like Mike Backpot. I respect him as a coach. So it wasn't an acrimonious. Thing. You know, it's it. Like, get your ass out of town it was mike figure this out so that you don't suffer any reputational damage and i get the coach i want and, and we did and he said there's been no hard feelings about that i like mike you know what's interesting is that you mentioned he's a greenpeace guy but when he played in the western league as a 19 year old he was a hard-nosed player for the colonial wings back in the day like he was he he was not afraid to you know he had I mean, that's when you have six guys on the team with over 150 penalty minutes. Well, guess what? He was one of them. So it's kind of funny. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot here a bit. Bob, hang hang on one sec. I talked to guys that played at McGill with him, and they said he was tough as nails. Like, I I believe what you just said. These guys that played with him told me he was fearless. It doesn't mean you could play that way and still think the game has evolved to a point where Brendan Shanahan, who played as hard as anybody, he's a Greenpeace guy now. So you can you can still yeah. the fact that you played a certain way doesn't mean you have to adopt that management or coaching style. But I just I defy anyone who saw the Stanley Cup Finals last year to tell me that size doesn't matter anymore. Hey, it's big boy hockey, absolutely. Brian, did you find it interesting that it was Brendan Shanahan that handed the public dismissal and not Kyle Dubas? Uh, I'm not sure what to make of that because I haven't talked to Shani. I sent I sent Shani a text last night and said. It's a hard day, and people don't realize that. They figure, okay, you fire the coach. He doesn't like the coach. You work with a coach for four or five years. You travel with him. He has separate your house. You get to know his kids. There's a bond there, even with a coach you're not close to. Like, I never got close to Mike Keenan, but we had to spend a lot of time together. So firing Mike Keenan, people would be like, I bet you couldn't wait. And I'm like, Mike Keenan's got a family. You think it was fun firing Mike Keenan? I didn't eat for a day and a half afterwards. I knew I had to do it. I wanted him out, but... Take, you take no joy in terminating that relationship. So Shani had a tough night last night. So did Kyle. These are these are tough relationships yeah. to sever. Yeah, and Brian, I mean, that's what was interesting to me with what happened last year with Todd McClellan and Pete Shirelli, you know, because they were, you know, Pete was the GM. He brought Todd in. They sat next to each other on the plane. Uh, I bugged them relentlessly both on every trip. <laughs> and as a guy who hosts a two-hour show called Oilers Now, who needs to know the pulse of the team and the direction of the organization, you know, and it, it was just, that's what kind of struck me. I mean, that's that's got to be a hard thing. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? A uh, little bit of a curveball. Uh, I, I look at what happened with Charlie McAvoy, burning a year, coming out, uh, playing, you know, coming out of NCAA, burns a year by playing a couple games late in the regular season for the Bruins or in the playoffs or whatever the deal. Wasn't even eligible to play for the Bruins farm team in a developmental league coming out of the NCAA. Beneficial to his situation moving forward and getting a contract extension, uh, you know, coming out of his ELC. And I contrast that with a guy like Jake DeBrusque. 
who, uh, you know, played as a 19-year-old in the American Hockey League and now is in, is a fourth-year pro, but technically only in his third-year ELC, coming out a major junior. It, you know, I look at the Oilers losing John Marino because he didn't want to sign in Edmonton. So Boston oh, area kid, way, Pittsburgh way, gets him in a trade. By the way, John Marino would have thought would have would have signed with Edmonton if Peter Shirelli stayed. I know that for a fact. He was probably- all right. That's a, that's that's a good caveat to know. Good draft for Edmonton in 2015 because they got Caleb Jones in the fourth, uh, Ethan Bear in the fifth, and John Marino in the sixth. That's good drafting. We get three defensemen currently playing in the NHL that late in the draft. So tell me this: Does the NCAA system have some benefits and tweaks? That may, does the system need to be revived a bit? Because there seems to be more options and more beneficial scenarios for kids coming in out of NCAA than the good players coming out of the Western League that get signed in entry-level deals or major junior into entry-level deals. Well, those, those same guys can go back in the draft if they, if they want to, right? So that it's not, it's not that the NCAA kids have better options so much as they have different options. But, like, if Louis DeBrusque had said, I don't want to play for the Boston Bruins, he could have just refused to sign. So, but I know what you're saying. It looks like, okay, this this guy gets the Bernier. Johnny Gaudreau burned a year. And so he comes out, signs a two-year deal, burns a year, a year, and then after one year in the league or whatever it was, he, he can get out of his ELC and sign a new contract. Um, those are wrinkles that I don't think concern anyone. I'll give you an example. His line mate did the same thing. He signed the same day. And had one year to go on his entry-level contract. We begged him not to, Billy Arnold. We begged him not to. We said, you'll need that second year. And if you don't have that second year, we might cut you loose. And we did. And he's out of hockey. So the burden of the year isn't something everyone should do. We have begged kids not to do it. And it's cost some kids their career. So it's not the end-all and be-all for every player. But all of those things, whenever one group is disadvantaged, say the Europeans have an edge in a certain way, the NCAA kids have an edge, the CHL kids have an edge. Uh, the best, the best ones, the ones that don't get drafted, you know, become free agents. But wherever there's an edge like that, I say let's sit down. When I was working for a team, let's sit down with the union and see if it's fair. Like in other words, the CHL kids might get other benefits that the American college kids don't. Let's all let's air them out and see if the system is fair to all the players that play. Okay, I, I might at, at some point, maybe during uh, during a slower time for the Oilers, not in a game dining, I'm, I might want to re-engage in that con- conversation sure. and throw some more, fire some more questions. It, it's just sure. interesting because McAvoy's obviously got a high bridge deal that the payout at the end of it when they sign him in his next deal is going to be a, a mammoth. And yeah. I look at DeBrusque, who's our, this is his fourth year pro. He played on their farm team for a year. They kept him down for the entire year, even though he outproduced several players in Boston organization that got recalled that year that ironically all were NCAA guys uh, it's just it's just an interesting situation I mean you think back to the mid 80s right when all when Detroit signed all those guys you know uh, Oates out of RPI and was it Dwight Mathiason and all those guys back in the mid 80s yeah, a, a lot of those got, right a lot of those guys got signed to big contracts and because uh, Detroit tried to yeah, free cap at that time. Absolutely different world. Uh, and a final thought, just Brian, on the Oilers. Start of a five-game road trip against. Yeah, they're they're doing. They're doing this great. is great. I mean, they're tied for first in the West. Like 
show me one expert who picked them to be at this point. They got a tough road trip, but they started off with a big win. Uh, Bear has been great. Like, this kid is one of the best stories in the league right now. And Caleb Jones, who struggled at times last year and then struggled early this year, he played well the other night. He's come back with a vengeance. Both goalies continue to play well. Koskinen was great the other night. So it's all, if you give a report card to the Edmonton Oilers, there's lots of eight on it. Now we get through the road yep. trip here. you got at L.A., at Vegas, at Arizona, at Colorado. Four tough opponents. L.A. is the sleeper. They only just they play heavy. They're hard. But those last three games, Vegas has woken up. Arizona's wonderful. Colorado's banged up but still playing great. This will be a great test to see if they're a legitimate first-place team. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You bet. For Canadian Power Pack, that is Brian Burke. We'll be back in uh, one minute and get to our injury report for James H. Brown and Associates. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Thanks, Ryan. Tell you that some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South Downtown Northside and Sherwood Park locations. It's the time to go down and get yourself a no-charge winter performance package on most cars, trucks, and SUVs out at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. Uh, they've also got uh, 0% financing on Ford F-150s and select SUVs. Brent Ridge is an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. I think they got the Black Friday deals going on right now on F-150s. Give them a call, 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. Uncle Milt, Johnny, Rich and the gang out at Brent Ridge for. All right, two. The uh, injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Coming off the IR is Adam Larson. He is in tonight. What else you got, Mr. F. Scott? That means that Matt Benning is out. According to Jack Michaels, who tweeted this a few minutes back, uh, Benning in concussion protocol after that high stick from uh, from Evander Kane over the weekend. Uh, so there's your, your Oilers update. The Kings, meanwhile, without Trevor Lewis. He's been on the IR since November 6th with a lower body issue. Defenseman Derek Forbett and uh, forward and former first rounder Gabriel Velarde both out all season with back issues. In Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Marty McSorley when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.